0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: The latest trends and hottest topics love and sex handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800.
0: Tonight on the program we take a look at all the negative influences that have interfered with our sexual success and our sexual pleasure. Coming up after 10:15 I'll have uh, my guest Dr. Frederick Monden. He wrote a book called Erotic Love and Marriage, Improve Your Sex Life and Emotional Connection and we'll take a, a real close look at like uh, religion and porn and all kinds of other influences on our sexuality and why we may have to uh, look at this in a little bit of a different way to, to improve the way we view sexuality. But first, let's
1: take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800.
0: All right, you can also email me anytime to uh, lori at Dr. lori. Uh, So here's a question I got by email. I've gone without sex for over two years now. I'm a 24-year-old guy, and the fact that it's been so long since my last sexual activity drives me crazy. I know society can set some skewed standards, but even amongst my group of friends, they've all seen significantly more action than me over the last couple of years. So what I want to know is, is there anything I can do to help myself get laid in the nearest future? I've tried everything I can think of and have been suggested by friends to do. Get a new haircut, buy new clothes, go to therapy to try to help myself appear more confident, force myself into different social situations that I'm not accustomed to, but none of these have helped whatsoever. Or am I just stuck with continuing this uh, waiting game? So a couple of suggestions, first of all, you've got to make the time to meet new people, right? You have to learn. Sometimes you have to learn social skills, like learning how to have conversations uh, with people. And you've got to do this on a consistent basis if you want to uh, have uh, results. I don't know what you're your work schedule is I don't know how much time you actually devote to finding uh, a partner but you need to devote more time to it whether it's using apps using um, online dating things going out more um, getting together with friends telling friends that you want to be fixed up and if it's something like try and get also feedback from your friends like what is what seems to be holding you back about you? Is it something you're doing? Is it something you're doing to uh, push people away? Like these are some of the things you have to start thinking about. Even working with a dating coach can help you in a situation like that. Uh, You also don't really talk about like why the dry spell. Is it simply just not meeting the right people or not being able to make the uh, connections? Or are you... Is there something that you're sabotaging in terms of not putting yourself out there? Maybe you were hurt two years ago. Maybe there's something going on, uh, that is keeping you kind of, you know, a little bit, uh, reticent to, uh, to engage in, in relationships. So these are some of the questions that are good to ask yourself, A question about masturbation. Now, this you'll recognize this because we get this all the time, at least a couple times a week. Uh, I'm, is masturbating two to four times a day, every day unhealthy? I don't think I'm addicted since I don't let it get in the way of my life. So you've heard me talk about this before, clearly. But I'm worried there might be some kind of long-term uh, negative effects. So generally speaking, there's really nothing unhealthy about masturbation. You can't really hurt yourself. Uh, unless of course you're causing like damage to your penis. Like I, I've had, uh, people write in who have like skin irritations on the penis from doing it too much. So like the chafing on there. So that's, that's a different situation. If you're damaging yourself, then clearly you're either doing it too roughly or too much. Uh, and when we talk about addiction, we're talking about a compulsive disorder which usually you're right, does interfere with a person's life, either socially or um, emotionally. Um, And what I hear from, in terms of like you're looking at long-term consequences, what I do hear from men who masturbate a lot is the difficulty that they have finishing when they're with a partner so it's that old like yeah you can get to you get used to one way of stimulation so that it's more difficult with any other form of stimulation of course if that happens you just stop the masturbation and uh, for a little while and then you get used to uh, new sensations but otherwise it's it has no other impact like it's not going to make your penis smaller it's not going to cause you to go blind it's not going to cause any other major um, like effect really that would be uh, would be negative just look at how much time you spend in this I mean you can spend You can masturbate four times a day and spend an hour each time. I would say that that's a a long time because what else could you be doing in those four hours that might be more productive? Like, so you have to think about that too. I've heard guys who uh, will masturbate for hours on end. So if you tell me that you're doing it twice a day for hours on end, well, that's a, a whole other scenario. Uh, How to approach for a kiss when it becomes difficult to find out whether a girl is ready for it or not? That's a good question in this age of uh, our Me Too and consent conversations that we're having. Um, So the safest way, to me anyway, is to let the partner know like at an appropriate time on the date, you know, that you want to kiss her. Maybe it's at the end of the date and you want to kiss her goodbye or uh, maybe you're, you know, in a corner somewhere at a club or whatever and, uh, and, and you want to initiate that first makeout. It might be just simple, like looking into her eyes, uh, you want to let her know that she's safe with you because that's a need that women have. And you let her know, I would like to kiss you. I know some people think, oh, it should be uh, spontaneous, uh, etc. cetera. But uh, I think it's a very um, good way, especially, you, especially if you might have difficulty like picking up on some of the cues to just tell the person, I'd really like to kiss you right now for example. Um, so that would be something that, uh, that you can do and ask if it's, if it's okay. And if she looks at you and smiles at you, that usually means that it's okay. Especially when you're in there approaching for the kiss, if she does not smile or she doesn't say, okay, then assume that the person just isn't, uh, isn't ready. And then just say, you know, is everything all right? Um, and then you'll be able to know if, uh, the, if you could go in for that kiss or not. Of course, you can look at some of the, the nonverbal, uh, cues uh, that a partner gives you, right? Like, uh, are they touchy with you during the date? Did they, um, did they hold your hand? Did they put your hand, uh, on you, for example, or maybe you put your hand on their lower back and, you know, just like to to kind of walk along and guide. Did they accept that? Um, Did you dance together? Like there's all kinds of things that you could kind of pick up on, but some people aren't that great at picking up on these cues. So it's, uh, I think it's much safer to just say, um, I'd like to kiss you. So somebody wrote wrote this line "Uh, I've been dreaming about your lips ever since the beginning of the night and I would be honored if I could get a kiss from you now that's a a beautiful romantic uh, approach I like that I think that uh, that could work and I do think that women would appreciate uh, getting asked first I really do I think it's a good idea another texter writes and this in reference to the frequent masturbation doesn't it kill brain cells uh no we have not seen that masturbation uh kills brain cells at least i have not seen any research that says that have you uh if you have i'd love to see what that is uh coming up we'll talk about some of the negative influences that have interfered with uh, just sexual success and pleasure even the discussion of pleasure in our society so we'll talk about that
1: with Dr. Lori now, 514-790-0800. Passion, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.
0: Uh, Passion, this is a show all about sex, love, and relationships. And by the way, you can continue to send in your questions, which I will answer at the, in the last few minutes of the show. Uh, but first, I want to talk to a very special guest, uh, Dr. Frederick Mondin. He uh, wrote a book called Erotic Love and Marriage, Improve Your Sex Life and Emotional Connection, talking about erotic language and, hey, why do we need more of it? Uh, hello, Dr. Monden. Welcome to the program.
2: Well, thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Great. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about with you. First of all, you begin your book with the major factors that have interfered uh, with sexual pleasure, which uh, is what I want to address uh, address first. What would you say, or when did when did sexuality become so shame based? Has it always been this way?
2: It's really been this way in Western civilization since the first century. Okay. See, what happened was um, the sexual script for Western civilization was actually written by St. Paul, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, when the Church ruled all of Western civilization from about 500 to
0: 1500
2: A.D. Okay. And uh, that sort of established the a very negative sexual script for Western civilization.
0: And we hardly have managed to change that script in all those for, centuries? Well, fortunately, <laughs>
2: fortunately we've, improved. we've improved it some, but some. we still have a long ways to go.
0: Wow. And how does it, in, in your opinion, uh, how does this still all um, impact or interfere with uh, with our pleasure, with our success, with how we view sexuality?
2: Well, for one thing, uh, you know, America still spends two hundred million dollars a year on the teaching of abstinence. Wow! I don't know how I don't know how it is in Canada, but oh
0: no, we we teach- do not. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, we we are probably uh, in, among Western developed nations. America is probably one of the most religious uh, nations in the, in Western civilization, and we still have you know we our country was founded by. Fundamentalist Christians, Roman Catholics, Puritans, and we have that in our roots, in our culture, very much so. That uh, sex is only for marriage. Uh, Catholic Church still teaches not to use birth control because wow. yeah. uh, sex is supposed to be for procreation. Masturbation is still a mortal sin for over 60 million Catholics in our schools our high schools here in America uh, we can't teach masturbation we can't teach anything about the clitoris we can't teach <laughs> we can't I mean we can't teach uh, all the important things yeah uh, we can't teach about the morning after pill oh, That's uh, crazy in a lot of, in a lot of states we can't teach about contraception there's still a lot of negative, this negative messages That, uh, especially women get girls growing up, you know, that whole thing where you can't be a slut or a whore, which translates, don't show any interest in sex, don't talk about sex, don't ask about it.
0: Sure, but it's okay for the guys, too. Oh, the guys,
2: they don't get those messages.
0: Right. We don't get any
2: messages about being sluts and whores. Wow. So.
0: Uh, doc- yeah Dr Frederick Monden is my guest his book Erotic Love and Marriage Improve Your Sex Life and Emotional Connection we're talking about what uh, the factors that have, that interfere with uh, our sexual su- uh, success and pleasure i have to say even though you're not that far away boy is it ever a different climate here even though i think we we have the same roots but we are far more progressive in our sexual sexual health education we don't have abstinence only education programs here uh, in fact now in our uh, province we have compulsory a comprehensive sexual health education, which covers, you know, the body, which covers masturbation, which covers everything, truly, even LGBTQ issues, everything. Uh, so I think we are far, far ahead from what you're telling me.
2: Well, you, well, you are. And what, what is really a kind of paradoxical is America is very sexualized. Right. We have sex, sex in all our advertising, sex in all our movies. We have uh, lots of sexual magazines. Millions of people looking at pornography, and and you. So you think like, well, America must be really sexually liberated, but women still have difficulty with desire, with uh, uh, having orgasms. Um, men you know, worry a lot about their performance. and feel a lot of performance pressure. Couples feel inhibited to really talk about sexuality. Parents. Feel very inhibited about how much to tell their children mm-hmm. about sex. There's just a lot of uh, inhibition and and uh, negative messages that still circulate that make it hard for couples to be really open and free and uh, feel good about talking about sexuality and their sexual needs and feelings and. Uh,
0: so you it's think a, this a, is this is just passed on from generation to generation? We're talking now, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years of these negative messages that are still in our in this script of ours.
2: Yeah, it's a script. It's a script that has uh, been written by our institutions, by uh, our religious institutions, by our politicians. It's just very much in our culture, and even though America's made some improvement, we're, we just are still behind the French, we're behind the, 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 the Germans and the Denmark, Sweden, Finland. And us. Norway <laughs> and, Can- and Canada.
0: And I Canada.
2: I <laughs> are, are way ahead, way ahead of where America which, is. On which sexuality. is,
0: I find it so fascinating because you're, you're saying you spend that much money or the government spends that much money on abstinence only education. But what about the science? We've had quite a lot of science, sex research and and, uh, scientific uh, studies and surveys and what have you. And it points categorically that abstinence-only education doesn't work.
2: Well, we have some excellent research from our best universities like Yale and Columbia that clearly show that abstinence doesn't work. In fact, it creates... It creates real problems with yeah. pregnancy and with STIs and all. I mean, we have that research, but uh, in America, I guess we don't always go by the facts.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> the fake truth. <laughs>
2: yeah, the fake, fake news. <laughs>
0: fake news. So that's yeah. just fake news that's coming out yeah. of Yale and Harvard. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> what's the can't justification can't.
2: The justification for... Uh, uh, for staying. Their... Yeah,
0: yeah, for not know. accepting the, the these facts. Well, um,
2: our institutions pretty much teach sex should be only for marriage. And the truth is, um, 60% of our young people, by the time they're 16, have had sex. And 90% have had sex by age 21, even though the culture's teaching... That it's really should be abstinence till marriage.
0: Right, and people aren't getting married now until they're in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. So there's yeah. more facts are, for you. Yeah. Yeah. So none of it um, adds up, and yet more and more money is being um, put into. They do.
2: Yes, and school boards in America, the school boards censor what can be taught in a health education class to seniors.
0: So even yeah, when they so. do teach, they're teaching it limited. It's not comprehensive. You, yeah.
2: you can't take a banana in a health sex ed <laughs> class and show how to put a condom on and take a condom off so that it, it won't leak and it won't break. And you've got, you know, 17, 16, 17, 18 year olds in a health class
0: wow. who
2: signed up for it voluntarily. You cannot demonstrate the right way to use a condom.
0: That's incredible. My American guest, Dr. Frederick Monden, talking about the state, uh, well, what are some of these blocks, uh, these, these negative influences that clearly interfere with healthy sexuality, more so there than, than here. Uh, his book is Erotic Love and Marriage, Improve Your Sex Life and Emotional Connection. But there was a time when we were much more positive about uh, sexuality. What about with the the sexual revolution? And there have to have been times in history where there was a a pushback and there was some more freedom, no?
2: Yes. uh, Actually, throughout history, there are periods when uh, we sort of move forward to a more positive script, and then there's a a reaction to that in which we fall back, for example – during the uh, Renaissance was a period when people started ignoring the institutions and started thinking things out for themselves. That was followed by the, the um, uh, Victorian period, and the Victorian period was a time of great censorship and this shutting down and fear, lots of fear about masturbation, as uh, causing brain damage, masturbation, as causing health problems and health issues. And then that was followed by a very liberal response by women's suffrage when uh, w- women got rid of the hoop skirts and, mm-hmm. and uh, it, uh, <laughs> started, started dressing pants, more, centr- yeah. more centrally. Mm-hmm. And then that, uh, World War uh, II came along and the Great Depression, and everything got very, very conservative. And then after the war, we had the 1960s, which was a period of great uh, advancement in terms of uh, becoming a more open sexually and ex- more sexual experimentation. Some of our best research, like from Masters and Johnson
0: yeah, Kinsey.
2: and Bordell uh, Pomeroy and Kenzie and Playboy magazine came out and uh, the best sex education you could get for a while in America right. was reading
0: reading, uh, the, uh, yeah, playboy. <laughs> the Playboy forums. and, then, and uh, we'll, we'll continue this. We just have to take a break for our news, and then I would love to talk to you more about um, erotic language and why we need more of it. Uh, that's next here on CJD. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Straight talk that's all inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.
0: Get ready to learn a new language, the language of eroticism. My guest, Dr. Frederick Monden, will teach us uh, his book, Erotic Love and Marriage. That book teaches you, too. Uh, Dr. Mondon, thanks for being here and, and sharing your expertise with us. So what do you mean when you say uh, erotic language?
2: Well, if you want to build desire and if you're going to have good quality sex, Everything is about erotica. Everything is building sexual tension, building sexual desire. And uh, sensuality has its own language, sensual language. And when, when you're making love, you're really making erotica, not making love.
0: Mm. You're
2: building sexual tension. You're focused on sensation. Yes. And, and, and if you're thinking about this room needs to be painted <laughs> when you're having sex, you know,
0: <laughs>
2: you're, you're not focused right because you need to be focused on sensations. So when you look at language, we have clinical language, which would be like penis, vagina, breast. Right. That's clinical language. It, it doesn't create desire, it doesn't create erotic feelings, it doesn't <laughs> stimulate you sexually. But if you were to use language, you know, like,
0: talk or dirty talk what we would normally call dirty dirty talk talk.
2: yeah dirty talk right you know i i had a couple of ones that i saw where the the husband was uh, very catholic and he could not use dirty talk his (laughs) wife could only reach orgasm with dirty talk oh boy She always wanted she always wanted him to talk dirty to her when they were having sex and he never wanted to do that because he felt, you know, well, that's disrespectful to women, and he wasn't taught that way. Right. So she would try to get him drunk, get him intoxicated when they, before they'd make love, and then he'd talk dirty to her, and she'd get real turned on and come. Then the next morning, he'd be mad at her, for oh. him. he felt thin, you know. Oh. Wow. And then, then I've, and then I've seen just the reverse, where the, where the man likes to talk erotic language, and uh, not use clinical language but the erotic language and the uh, wife feels offended by it like right you
0: know it's got to be a you know, there's got to be out. a middle ground somewhere
2: well couples need to work those those negative feelings about sexuality out of their relationship and and uh, create a freedom where they can talk about their feelings openly and they can use erotic language and the erotic language is stimulates I mean it if I say I'd like to make love to you, I mean, love is really good before sex, and it's great after sex. But during sex, it's not about love. It's about right. building sexual tension. It's about increasing desire because all your little neurons in your brain have a threshold. And right. when those neurons are stimulated that threshold, it just explodes into orgasm. So, so it would be very easy for women, for example, to have orgasms. If they learned to focus on sensuality,
0: focus on sensation, on, uh,
2: sensation, and use erotic language, use the uh, dirty language, which <laughs> really isn't dirty, it's it's actually very sexually stimulating once you get used
0: to it. Right, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, some pe- some dirty talk can be uh, maybe offensive to some, like could be really, really dirty, like calling somebody a name or whatever if the other person doesn't like it it's not going to stimulate them so it's a question of being able to discuss it so that the language you are using is stimulating well
2: it could be as simple as this if i if i could say i just don't swear (laughs) i'd like to i'd like to put my penis in your vagina
0: right that's not very erotic
2: (laughs) <laughs> it would be more erotic if I just said I'd like to park my car in your garage
0: that's right that's true
2: I mean that that that, that is actually more erotic than penis and the vagina
0: so I'd like to park <laughs> my car in your garage okay your people garage, there <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a line I think some people might use <laughs> so,
2: er, erotic language language doesn't necessarily
0: even have to be dirty right it's, just not clinical it's not clinical that's what's important. Right. So you think anybody can really uh, learn this language?
2: I think that uh, we all know some of that language because we hear it and we're taught that it's bad or it's wrong when we're young kids. Hmm. And um, and yet when we grow up and become adults, we have to realize that it's the language of sensuality. It's the language of eroticism and Sex is about building deep erotic feelings, and
0: creating I, yeah.
2: deep sensation.
0: And I think uh, that's a very, that's probably the most important point is the the creating the deep sensation. People forget, and they're often in their heads, which is why some people have trouble with orgasms and they have trouble with their desire, and they're not allowing the sensations because their brains are too busy with other stuff, like. You know, oh, this ceiling needs a paint job. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Well, here's here's the thing that that a couple, uh, you know, if they're, if they're going to make love, they have to recognize that we have to take our time. We, that's what foreplay is all about. We have to take our time to build a, a deep sense of sexual desire and a, a very intense sense of of uh, Eroticism, of sensation, and take our time before we start intercourse to build up all that erotic heat, and uh, that makes sex go a lot easier and a lot faster. I mean, it's like if you can talk about your sexual feelings and you can talk erotically to each other, and if you can take your time with foreplay to build strong sensation, you're going to have a much more quality experience
0: yeah absolutely As somebody texted in uh, dr mondan wouldn't you say that the so-called dirty talk has an erotic effect precisely because it's not considered proper hence being forbidden and taboo so would that be uh, very likely yeah
2: i'm sure i'm sure that's true
0: right I'm sure that's true uh, and uh, of course, we have to start with, uh, I mean, there's some basics, right? Talking about getting sex education, being able to talk about sexuality openly, maybe teaching the next generations that it's okay uh, to learn about and talk about sexuality, talk about pleasure, the pleasure part. That's the one thing that never gets talked about in, uh, in sexual health education that people often wonder about as they get more and more sexual, right? Right.
2: Well, what I find is uh, there are a lot of people in America anyways, even young people, that are probably having more sex than probably any other generation, even though the data is showing that they're actually having less sex. Less
0: sex, sex yeah. Um,
2: but even though the data says that, those who are having sex, they know how to have intercourse, but that doesn't mean they know how to really have quality sex. Right. Knowing how to create sensation, uh, knowing how to build that sensation before you even start intercourse, that sex is more than than just orgasm.
0: Right, absolutely. Um, Uh, Well, uh, 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 people can learn all about this language in your new book, Erotic Love and Marriage, Improve Your Sex Life and Emotional Connection. Uh, Dr. Mondin, where can people find you or find the book? Well, all
2: book outlets will will either have it or will get it for you. And Amazon Books, of course, you can get uh, the book on Amazon Books. Um, Can I say one last
0: thing? One last thing.
2: Uh, Um, (laughs) Intimacy also has its own language. And in terms of the use of connecting language to connect emotionally with your partner Mm -hmm. and not just sexually. Right. And, and the uh, language of intimacy is a language of endearment. When so yes. you use endearment language on your partner, it helps create a closer feeling and a deeper connection. And that's the best sex is when you have both that, that uh, the language of endearment, the language of, of intimacy, emotional intimacy and in connection
0: Great with point. the
2: language, the sensual language of a
0: physical a right. great, great point and I often tell my clients this, you have to create warmth in your partner and you do that with that endearment. That, that's another way of saying that, that feeling of, uh, of warmth that you get. Uh, Dr. Mondin, do you have a website that people can go to? Uh,
2: if they just uh, type my name in uh, their search engine, it'll come up.
0: Alright, wonderful. M-O-N-D-I-N. Dr. Mondin, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight.
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me.
0: Pleasure. Oh, Take you. care. Uh, that's uh, Dr. Frederick Monden. The book Erotic Love and Marriage coming up in the program. I will reopen that passion mailbag and get some of your uh, more of your questions answered coming up.
1: Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at five one four eight hundred.
0: You can also email me, laurie at drlaurie.com. So I decided I'm going to answer some questions towards the end of the show as well, since it's hard to get through all the questions that I get and I want to make sure that everybody gets, uh, gets helped out. So earlier in the program, I talked about, um, or I got an email from somebody who was a virgin, somebody else wrote in another virgin. So that seems to be like a little bit of a theme. Uh, So I am currently a 22-year-old virgin. I feel like there's a lot of pressure and demand for guys to lose their virginity in order to become a man. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. However, I do feel embarrassed and ashamed that I am a virgin at my age. Are there psychological barriers or mechanisms that prevents one from having a healthy sexual life? How can I view and accept myself as I am if I feel an incredible amount of shame in being a virgin, which then becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Well, I don't do anything about it because I feel ashamed to be one. Well, that's a that's actually quite common. This sentiment, very very well expressed, by the way, uh, in terms of how people often feel with that pressure that comes from our society. Which is interesting, is you heard our uh, our guest talk about this in the states. Uh, they advocate for abstinence until marriage, and yet, you know, by 21, 90 percent have already. Uh, had sex but what happens if you're in the 10% how do you feel when you look at all of your uh, your peers so you're certainly not alone at all in the way uh, in in the way that you feel and I think that oftentimes just like you there's a, a suffering it's a kind of suffering and it's a suffering in silence because it's not the kind of thing that you're going to talk about to your guy friends let's say especially if you view this as this is how you become a man is uh is by uh losing your virginity so and it's perfectly okay for you not to agree with that statement the this is the the way to to become a man and you certainly don't have to cave into the pressure of losing your virginity if you don't want to this is uh, a choice. Like, look at your own values regarding sex. Regarding sex for the first time, if you want to remain a virgin, maybe for religious reasons, or maybe you w- want to maintain it uh, to have it with a, like a serious girlfriend instead of just casually, uh, or maybe, maybe you, maybe you want to wait till you get married every reason to wait is a good reason because it's your reason and you don't have to share your reasons with anybody this is private information about your sexual status it's not like you wear a sign that or you need to uh, so you can certainly kind of adopt a, a, a philosophy that you you know that sexual information is not shared publicly. Period. That's it. And then you can avoid any kind of uh, potentially embarrassing situations when the conversation comes up, for example. Uh, But there are some psychological barriers that can prevent someone from having a healthy sex life, but that doesn't mean that just because you're 22 and still a virgin that there's anything wrong with you or that there will be something wrong with you in uh, your sex life or that you won't develop a healthy sex life when you become uh, sexual. So to me, that's like putting a lot of pressure on you, on yourself, uh, thinking that there's something wrong with you. So I don't know if there's any issues like I you know, this is only basic information. So I can't possibly know what issues you might have in your life. Um, what are some of your, the opportunities you've had or, uh, some things that you may have, uh, or, or if you have trouble getting into those opportunities, I don't know, um, but you have to think about how to handle this shame and embarrassment. And you really need to understand that a person is not defined as a human being based solely on whether they have had sex or not. So that's one aspect of your identity or of our personhood, but it isn't the thing that dictates uh, your self identity. So, the pressures you're feeling, yeah, very normal. Uh, you've internalized, you know, these expectations, which frankly are somewhat um, unrealistic, and, and you're being hard on yourself. So be proud of you for what you have accomplished, for what you believe in, rather than caving into uh, to that. And it's and it's okay. It's okay to remain a virgin, it's okay to lose your virginity uh, when you decide you are ready. Uh, And then if if you decide you want to and you wanna get into a relationship, then obviously you have to take some action to get yourself into a relationship where, uh, sex might be involved, but that depends on what you're looking for. You're looking for something more serious, more casual. So you, you also have to put yourself out there. Like I said earlier in the program, when I answered another virgins questions was get, you have to put yourself out there socially as well, maybe looking and exploring at dating apps, etc. Uh, so here a texture comments on this too. I am a 30 year old virgin. And let me tell you when you are that old in today's society, people ask what is wrong with you that no one wants to have sex with you. The older you get, the more people think it's weird. That's my experience so far. Uh, and again, I would say, are you a virgin um, by choice, meaning that you feel you haven't gotten into the right relationship with that for you, uh, your virginity or sex is important. And so you're waiting for that right person. Like you still have to believe in, in yourself and your own reasons, your own values about, uh, virginity or when it's time to lose your virginity. I'm not saying that as a society, you're right. Uh, people judge this. They judge this because it is the minority people who remain virgins till late, uh, are generally in the minority, but that doesn't mean there's something, uh, wrong with them. And I'm talking clinically here. I'm talking as a professional, I'm not talking about how the, the society views it, but that's a judgment call, right? And that's not necessarily the, um, the reality. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that, let me see if I have any other questions coming in. By the way, I want you to feel free to, uh, to email me anytime. You can text me anytime during the show as well, uh, with any questions that you have about, uh, love, sex, and, uh, and relationships. Always happy to answer your questions. Uh, quickly, I think I have time for one. I'm a happily married 36 year old man. My wife and I have... What I would consider a healthy and open sex life. My concern is we're start we're trying to start a family with no success. I am not well endowed in the range of four to five inches. I'm concerned that perhaps I'm not planting the seed deep enough. Deep enough are my concerns. Reasonable. So first off, the average penis is between five and five and a half, 5.2 something inches long when erect. And the length of your penis has nothing to do with how successful you are at impregnating your wife. Uh, Yes, of course, sperm has, uh, you know, has to be deposited in the vagina, but it doesn't have to be deposited deep, deep into the vagina. They're really good little swimmers, those buggers. And uh, listen, some people can even become pregnant if there's an ejaculation that happens, like at the opening of the vagina. So if you're having an issue with infertility, it might be something else that's going on. Maybe you, maybe your wife. And if you're 36, your wife is in that age category, go see a fertility specialist specialist and they can do the proper testing to see what's going on but i assure you it has nothing to do with the size of your penis which is in the normal range thank you all uh, for listening and spending your precious time with me totally appreciate it i want to thank our technical producer brian Kalisar. Um, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Batito or through my website, DrLaurie.com. Don't forget, you can send in your questions as well. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV national news. Tune in to hear all you need to know about what's happening in the world and locally. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.